Thank you, Dan and Ensemble and Instrumentalists for lovely music today. Turn your Bibles again to the Lucan Gospel, the 14th chapter, for a sermon entitled, Do the Math, Luke 14. Let's read the rest of this passage. It was not read before. Let's begin with verse 31. We read about you don't build a building without counting the cost. Or what king, verse 31, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and take counsel whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks terms of peace. So therefore, no one of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Therefore, salt is good, but if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile or is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. A man was posting himself every day in front of an office building with a tray of shoelaces with a little sign that said 25 cents for the shoelaces. And one executive had the daily habit of putting in a quarter. Now, he never took the shoelaces, but every day he would put in the quarter as if he were buying a set of shoelaces, but he, but he never actually took the shoelaces. And, well, one day the peddler, receiving the quarter, tapped his departing benefactor on the back and said, Sir, I don't mean to complain. Perhaps you didn't notice the shoelaces have now gone up to 35 cents. <laughs> Some churches... Preachers present the gospel as though they're selling a used car. No money down, easy payments, attractive terms, it's no big deal. Come and say yes to Jesus. They make it sound as if following the Lord is nothing more than a superficial commitment. That no real determination is required. But that's not the call of Jesus in this passage, is it? You see, Jesus was not looking for superficial commitment or a crowd of tagalongs who were trying to follow with the twelve. Instead, he told all of those would-be, could-be disciples, if you're going to follow me, you better do the math, you better count the cost. It's awfully expensive. Even today, the call of Christ is for full-price followers, no deep discounted disciples. You have to count the cost before you begin to build. You have to count the cost before you set sail on a ship. You have to count the cost before you make a military maneuver. It's always best to first, whatever you're going to do, count the cost. Will I have enough money and energy to complete the project? Can my resources, my emotion, and my strength endure to full completion? If not, it is better to never, ever begin the journey. Nothing is more disturbing than to see someone begin an endeavor and fail before the finish. To see that house partially erected but never, ever completed, left to the elements 
to rod. To hear about that degree that came almost to the end, but in maybe just a few hours left, and they never earned the last course, and therefore, well, it just leaves you empty to hear that story, doesn't it? More times than not, we abandoned the endeavors because the cost was way more than we ever realized. We run out of gas on that last mile sometimes, don't we? Sometimes halfway through, sometimes we are 90% into completion, but we, well, we just can't do it anymore. And so we cut our losses, our losses of money and time and energy, and well, Whatever we began stands as a flag of failure to our days of the past. Remember when I was working my PhD at Baylor's three years of classroom, a year of studying for prelims, and usually another two years writing your dissertation, I saw a book sale of New Testament commentaries, and I seized that opportunity with a student's budget to buy books, and I asked him why he was selling all of his books. He was working on a PhD in New Testament, and he said... I just can't do it anymore. How, how far along are you? He'd done three years of residence doing classroom work, another year studying for his prelims. He had written two of a five-chapter dissertation, but he said emotionally, physically, mentally, I can't write another word. I'm done. Counting the cost. Jesus says count the cost. Notice what he says there. Do not build a tower unless you have first counted the cost. Look what he says in verse 28. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish. And all who observe the foundation will ridicule him. You've heard of the Tower of David an unfinished, abandoned skyscraper project in the capital of Venezuela. It's the third tallest skyscraper in all the country of Venezuela. It was begun in 1990. The bank crashed in Venezuela. It was halted in 1994. And now you can Google it. There's this tall building. It doesn't have windows. It doesn't have elevators. It doesn't have balcony rails. It doesn't have running water. It doesn't have electricity. But it just stands there as a monument to someone's miscalculation on the economy or the Ryu Yong Hotel in, in North Korea. It's called the 105 building because it's over a thousand feet tall. It has a 105 stories and yet it, no one's in the building. In fact, according to the Guinness World Records, it is the tallest unoccupied building in all the world. Construction began in 1987 on the 105 building, halted in 1992 because of a period of economic crisis. The Tower of David, the 105 building, they both stand tall over a thousand feet as a testimony that someone did not calculate the cost. Well, young parents sometimes don't calculate the cost. Do you know how much that little bundle of joy is going to cost you right after birth? According to Investitopia, parents having a child today can expect to spend by the time the baby turns 18. Well, I object to that calculation. My kids didn't start costing until they turned 18. By the time, before they reach 18, right at 18, 
The average, not wealthy families, the average family will spend $284,570 on that little bundle of joy in the nursery. Well, I've added some calculations myself. You throw in college education, even at a state university, you throw in a wedding if it's a girl, and by now you have a price tag, a baby, over a half million dollars. Cha-ching, count the cost. They're expensive. Well, Jesus himself talks about counting cost. While ordinary human leaders delight in the masses that began to follow them, not so with Jesus. Look at verse 25. Now great multitudes were going along with him, and he turned to them, and he said. The words he said to the multitude who were beginning to follow him were not encouraging words. They were not words of, come on, it's no big deal. You can do it. Take the next step. Don't worry about the long-term impact of your commitment to me. No. When the multitudes in verse 25 of Luke 14 begin following Jesus, he turns around to them and he says, you better do the math. If you're going to follow me, you need to count the cost. In fact, Jesus, in his next words, puts them through a severe sifting process to make sure that they're sure they have what it takes to make the entire journey. Some of that crowd that day were just curiosity seekers. They heard about this new miracle working rabbi and they wanted to follow at a distance, not get close enough to make a real commitment, but just might see if he is the Messiah. But there were other disciples who were true disciples who had left friends and family and their future behind, and they were following him at all costs. Who would you have been that day in the Gospel of Luke? Would you be found among the curious crowd, not really ready to make a commitment? Or would you have been with James and John, who left the nets in the boat with Father Zebedee, walked away from their family and their future as fishermen and said, we're going to leave everything behind and follow him. Would you have been with Matthew who left his job with the IRS, a lucrative position of comfort to travel with his new rabbi and his students? Would you have followed at a distance keeping a safe margin between you and the call to commitment? Well, counting the cost, first of all, following Christ means you have to put all other relationships secondary to your relationship with Christ. Counting the cost means you have to put all other relationships as secondary to your relationship to Christ. Look at verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, hate there is a Semitic pronouncement. We might translate it love less. The reality is you have to love your parents less than you love Christ, your spouse less than you love Christ, your siblings less than you love Christ. But most of all, he says, you must love yourself less than you love Christ if you're going to follow him. Count the cost. Your family, your priority, or is following Jesus your priority? Some of you may remember in the 1990 World Series, the second game, the Cincinnati Reds ran out of pitchers. 
Tom Browning was the only remaining relief pitcher who could possibly pitch the ball. But he left the stadium. No one knew why. He was gone. And so, well, Lou Pinella got so nervous, he had Marty Brenneman, the Reds announcer, make an urgent plea over the PA system for Browning to return to the stadium immediately. He was the last relief pitcher left. Now, why was Tom Browning not where every pitcher would dream to be, closing out the World Series in game number two? He'd received a phone call from his wife that she had begun the process of birthing their baby. And so he left the stadium right in the midst of the World Series. Now, I would say that Tom Browning had his priorities right. In most cases, family first, but not when it comes to following the Christ. Not even your mother or your father or your husband or your wife or your brother or your sister. Not even yourself. Nothing, no relationships takes priority. Count the cost. If you say yes to Jesus, your family may think you've gone too far. You've gotten carried away and they're uncomfortable with your zeal for Christ. Family's uncomfortable the way you live life now that Christ has changed you. Count the cost. Following Christ, secondly, means putting selfish ambition aside. Putting selfish ambition aside. Look at verse 27. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. All self-seeking and self-striving after your own interests must be crucified. If you're going to follow me, you cannot follow me at a distance. You're called to sacrifice you're called to the cross. Jesus says, when it comes to my followers, I don't have any place for bench warmers. I don't want any hitchhikers. I don't want any lifetime students of ministry. The call to Christ is always a call to get our hands dirty and to engage in ministry in the name of Christ. Jesus never had a bandwagon. He never said, jump on board. Rather, those who claim to be his students, those would-be, could-be followers, the multitude is growing, and he knows they don't understand that he's headed to Calvary. And so he turns and he says, you need to do the math. You need to be willing to carry your cross. You need to be willing to put me first. If you're not willing to do that, then don't even try to follow me. For there's a price. Following Christ might cost you your family. Following Christ might cost you your friends. It might cost you your job. It might cost you everything. Where would you have been that day? In that crowd when Jesus turned and said, would you have been like James and John? Would you have been like the 12? Would you have been like the 70 that he sends forth? Or would you have been in the curious crowd, not willing to count the cross? Would you have been like Philip who picked up a basket and got the remaining bread and fish after the feeding of the 5,000? Or would you have been lounging on the lawn expecting the disciples to feed you? Where would you have been? A pastor was preaching a sermon like this one day and well, the one gentleman in the congregation just moved in the middle of the sermon will count the cost and the, the call to discipleship. The gentleman just stood up and said, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, use me. 
looked around and realized he'd made a public commitment in front of everybody. And he said, in an advisory capacity, <laughs> the Lord doesn't need any advisors. It's, oh, Lord, use me in whatever way you would call me. Count the cost. Are you willing to pay the price to follow him? Do more than belong. The call of discipleship is to participate. Do more than care. Really engage and help. Do more than believe. Practice what you believe. Do more than be fair. Go above and be kind. Do more than forgive. Actually forget. Do more than receive. Give. Count the cost. Following Jesus, thirdly, is no simple task. Verses 28 through 33, we have these pointed metaphors about don't lay a foundation, then call off the construction. Don't miscalculate your military might and go to war with a military maneuver to lose to the other king. You need to sit down and count the cost. Count the cost. Do you know in life what's essential, what's peripheral? Do you know what's extra? What's the core? Are your values such that you know the center of your being is following Christ and everything else can be dispensed with? The novel, The Mysterious Island, is a story about five escapees from a Civil War prison. They hijack a hot air balloon. They rise in the air. They have no way to put more hot air in the balloon, so they're just going up, trying to escape from the Civil War prison. And, well, they realize that the wind is taking them seabound. They're out in the ocean, and they watch the homeland disappear on the horizon, and they wonder, without more hot air, how long the balloon can actually stand afloat. Hours pass, and they begin to descend towards the ocean below, and they begin to throw overboard their coats and their guns and their shoes and things that seemed to be so essential before. And the balloon rises for a little while. And then these aviators began to notice the balloon was descending again. And this time they did the unthinkable. They threw over their food. It's better to be high and hungry than be well fed and drowned. And that lasted for a little while. And then According to the novel, the balloon began to drift towards the ocean below, and they had to think, what else can we do? And one of them said, the heaviest thing here is the basket we're seated in. And so they tied the ropes and made a sling and cut the basket and sat on the ropes, and the balloon went up again long enough to get them to terra firma. The only reason these Civil War escapees were able to survive they're able to determine the difference between a luxury and a necessity. An overcoat, a pair of shoes, a weapon, and a food all became dispensed of. What's dragging you down? What's pulling your walk with Christ away from him? What's crashing you? What extra baggage do you think is so essential is actually dragging you to the abyss below? Flannery O'Connor has said, people just don't realize how much Christianity costs. They think about faith as being a big electric blanket to comfort them, when reality, following Christ, is the cross. 
People don't really understand. They, they think that being part of the church equals having the comfort of a, a big electric blanket when in reality, being part of the people of God, being a follower of Jesus means the cross for your selfish ambitions. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, cheap grace is the deadly enemy of our church. We are fighting, says Bonhoeffer, for a costly grace. Cheap grace is preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance in the first place. Baptism without any church discipline or communion without confession or absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. It's grace without the treasure hidden in a field for which of it a man will go and sell all that he has to obtain it. But cost of grace is the pearl of great price which causes a merchant to sell all of his goods. The call of Jesus Christ is for the disciples to leave the nets behind and follow him. Calls the grace of the gospel which must be sought again and again. It is the gift which must be asked for. It is the door upon which we must continually knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And it's grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man eternal life or true life. It's costly because it condemns our sins, but it's grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. You were bought with a price. What has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon the crucifixion of his son to be a price too great for our life, but delivered him up for us. Count the cost. The multitudes gathering around and following this new rabbi heard he could turn water into wine and cause the blind to see. Maybe he'll do some magic for me. Jesus turned and says, now wait a minute. I don't think you know who you're following. If you decide to follow me, your family will be second and I will be first. If you decide to follow me, then your selfish ambitions and your dreams will become my visions for your life. If you decide to follow me, well, everything that you have becomes mine. If you decide to follow me, you better count the cost. Don't be like the man who started the building and laid the foundation and, well, in the future, the market's crashed and the steel structure stands, but there's no inhabitable space. Don't be like the king who quickly goes to war but doesn't do the military calculation before he makes the maneuver. Count the cost. Oh, yes, Jesus wants you to follow him. And I would call you to commit yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ. It is absolutely worth it. But Jesus has given his everything, and he expects your everything in return. The Gospels know nothing of cheap grace. Do the math, the Messiah says, before you step out and follow me. Count the cost. The cost is the cross. Let us pray. Oh God, how lightly sometimes we take our commitment to you. Reminded today by the Lord who turns to the multitudes and says, Are you sure? Do you really want to follow me? 
Father, may each of us re-examine our own dedication, our priorities in our life, and may we be like the ballooners who cut away what's not necessary, trim our lives down to be fervent followers of our Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.